A short rest, but a long embellishment. Today we look at how the Hobbit movie adapts Chapter Three of J.R.R. Tolkien's *The Hobbit*. We dive into the deeper evils brewing around the quest, what the film has to say about the nature of elves, and look at a completely movie-made-up scene and see if it fits in this adaptation. Let's wander. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chapter three begins about one hour and fourteen minutes in, after Gandalf hands Bilbo a sword and a surprise pursuer comes close. It ends about forty minutes later as Gandalf and Galadriel say farewell to each other. Those are the timestamps for the extended edition of The Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey, and the embellishments to the children's tale kick into full gear for this chapter's on-screen portrayal. Let's start with Radagast, who again isn't even mentioned in the slightest in The Hobbit. He informs Gandalf of what he has observed in Mirkwood and gives him a package. Radagast even mentions the giant spiders as spawn of Ungoliant, that huge spider monster that is the mother of Shelob. For more on Ungoliant, check out episode five, Death and Darkness. The scenes of Radagast in Dol Guldur I really like. There's a lot of suspense and thrill, along with a few callbacks like Radagast saying, "I saw him," similar to how Pippin does in the Return of the King movie. Sauron standing in the shadows, looking like an eye, and a powerful king who can summon the dead. Except it's not Aragorn summoning the unfaithful dead army to fight for him. It's supposedly Sauron who is raising up the Ringwraiths again. By the way, and I'm not making this up, but as I write this part of my talking points, the song "Sauron" from Rings of Power started playing. It's a pretty epic theme of evil and power. Perhaps the Dark Lord is on to me. Anyway, Radagast's main function is to bring the bigger problem of evil in the story and remind us that Thorin's quest is simply one chess piece moving on the board. Radagast also serves another function in this sequence, that is to decoy the orcs and wargs who are hunting our party of dwarves. The ponies have bolted, but it seems like the dwarves can make it from the troll cave to Rivendell in like one afternoon of running. But a quick look at Karen Wynn Fonstad's Atlas of Middle Earth. And we can see that it takes about five days of riding on ponies for the company to actually reach Rivendell. But hey, time compression for dramatic tension. I get it. Dramatic tension is exactly what the orc pursuit provides. However, the reveal of elves and Rivendell is more one of desperation and conflict rather than discovering a merry, elusive, otherworldly yet kind race of elves. Yes, the dwarves and Tredeep Fisher define what seems like a hidden path. And while Bilbo doesn't admit to smelling the elves, nor his gaze instinctively reach to the stars, he does comment to Gandalf that he feels different, like magic. Quote, "That's exactly what it is," Gandalf says, "a very powerful magic." Leaving aside Tolkien's complicated views on the word magic, Rivendell does come across as a hidden place that the company is drawn to, but not without tension, as Thorin's distrust of elves is clearly evident, even calling them the enemy. Gandalf tells Thorin, quote, "The only ill will to be found in this valley is that which you bring yourself," which parallels to me the words that Frodo hears from Galadriel in the Fellowship movie that he brings great evil into an elven sanctuary. 
The film adds some depth to Rivendell, with Gandalf using the elvish word for it, Imladris, and then the title from the book, The Last Homely House. This is in reference to Rivendell being a refuge, one of the last remaining elven strongholds in Middle-earth. So what does the movie have to show us about the nature of elves? Well, apparently elves are vegan, have lame music, and their genders are easily confused. This is a far cry from the merry, singing, joking, yet nourishing and healing elves that Tolkien wrote about. But I get it, we have to contrast the culturedness of the elves with the dwarves. Hmm, yes, the dwarves. Called decent while they steal diningware, throw food, show no appreciation for the arts, and sing irreverent songs. The song that they sing is actually a hobbit song, recorded as being sung by Frodo in the Fellowship of the Ring, when he is at the Prancing Pony in Bree. It's one of those verses where Tolkien takes a common rhyme, like the cat and the fiddle, and expands on it, morphs it into something longer or more complicated. It's as if he's saying that even our childish rhymes were once part of great legend. But now we remember, quote, only a few words of it. Sure, it has its comic relief charm, but the Hobbit movie did little to really paint the dwarves as sophisticated, complex race. Rather, they seem like a rabble of 13-year-old boys sharing indecent jokes. On-screen portrayal of dwarves is actually one of the things that I think Rings of Power Season 1 did right. Those were some of my favorite scenes. Durin's children bashing the giant stone heads together, and the interplay with Elrond. Point for Rings of Power on this one. But this is a story about a hobbit, after all. I love Bilbo's face as he explores the nooks and crannies of Rivendell. He finds peace, quiet, and comfort, as well as friendship with Elrond. Who cracks the rare smile at Bilbo's joke? Bilbo also says to Elrond, quote, It is unwise to seek the counsel of elves, for they will say both yes and no. That little line appears to be some advice that Bilbo gives to Frodo. For in the Fellowship, when Frodo meets elves in the Shire, he says almost the exact same line. Bilbo also discovers the shards of Narsil, and the mural of Isildur cutting the ring from Sauron's hand. His eyes catch on the golden ring of the Dark Lord, a foreshadowing clue, but also a reminder of the larger problem of evil at work. Thorin overcomes his animosity towards Elrond, and hands over the map to the Loremaster. Elrond finds the moon letters and reads the cryptic instructions just as in the book. In contrast to the book, though, Thorin and Balin in the film seem to have no qualms about calculating the day when the instructions will be fulfilled. In the book, they are dismayed by Durin's day and seek to arrive at the mountain as urgently as possible because they'll likely miss it. Elrond hints at the theme of chance when he says, quote, It would seem you were meant to come to Rivendell. Fate is with you, Thorn Oakenshield. The same moon is on us tonight. Chance, again, seems more than the unlikely convergence of events, and more like a benevolent will is influencing the actors of Middle-earth. Which brings us back to the bigger picture story. Evil is brewing, yet the guardians of Middle-earth can't even decide if they have a problem on their hands. More on that right after this break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Before we get to the White Council, we have a brief interlude of Azog and the Orcs, which has nothing to do with the book at all. The White Council really begins with a conversation overheard by Bilbo and Thorin, where Elrond is challenging Gandalf on the wisdom of this quest. Elrond is concerned that more harm could result if Smog the dragon is awakened. But Gandalf remains true to his purpose. We must strengthen our defenses in the east against the enemy, should he return, and a dragon could be put to evil uses under Sauron's direction. Gandalf's motivation for the quest, while not overtly stated in The Hobbit, does come from the appendices and a book called Unfinished Tales. Check out episode 72 for a refresher on that tale. Elrond is also concerned about a strain of sickness in Thorin's family. Is this something hereditary, or perhaps the function of one of the seven rings given to the dwarves? Galadriel and Saruman show up, and the White Council is fully formed. This scene is entirely made up for the Hobbit movie, yet even so, I think it fits well. It feels like Tolkien for the most part, except some of Saruman's ramblings, which are quite annoying. But even Saruman's irritable mutterings give me the feeling that he is misdirecting the conversation to mask his own growing evilness. We've also already been set up for the conversation. We know that Bilbo's quest is important, but that other forces, particularly more powerful and evil forces than a dragon, are at work in Middle-earth. We've seen hints to that already. Well, to sum up the council, they can't agree if Sauron is even returning. Some say he is vanquished and that they have peace, while Gandalf urges for more direct action. There's a reference somewhere, and forgive me because I can't remember in which book it is, but Tolkien wrote that they first believed the power at Dol Guldur was one of the Nazgul attempting to take Sauron's place. Also, this conversation does some time compression of the Third Age. Elrond mentions having peace for 400 years. The Watchful Peace was actually about 1,000 years before The Hobbit takes place. And anyway, according to the Tale of Years, Gandalf had already snuck into Dol Guldur and ascertained that Sauron was there. That was how he received the map and key to Erebor, so that he could pass those on to Thorin. The embellishments continue with the reveal of the Morgul Blade that was buried with the Witch King of Angmar, in a tomb so deep that light would never find it. That sounds pretty creepy. Well, it becomes clear that Gandalf is stalling for time, providing cover for the dwarves to leave Rivendell without hindrance. I really love Gandalf's don't-be-mad-at-me face to Galadriel. In the end, the White Council doesn't really do anything for the present. They are still undecided as to what the problem at Dol Guldur actually is, so we leave that storyline for now. But before we go, some thoughts on Galadriel. I really love the character Galadriel. It's clear that Elrond and Gandalf are her friends, but they still revere her. If anyone of the White Council should be revered, it would be Gandalf or Saruman, they being of the class of spirits called Maiar, after all. But Galadriel's wisdom, beauty, and subtle power are enough. And it's a really subtle clue, but notice the light when Galadriel is introduced and when she exits. First, the moon is high in the sky, quite bright, I think. 
but as she bids farewell to Gandalf, the sun is just rising. This has the double reminder to suggest that Galadriel is older than both moon and sun, and that she is actually closely connected with the two trees of Valinor. Yes, she is the personification of the light of the two trees. And her question to Gandalf stirs one of the greatest lines in all of the Lord of the Rings movies. Why the halfling? To which Gandalf responds, quote, I do not know. Saruman believes that it is only great power that can hold evil in check, but that is not what I have found. I have found it is the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folk, that keep the darkness at bay, simple acts of kindness and love. Why, Bilbo Baggins? Perhaps it is because I am afraid, and he gives me courage. I absolutely love that. That line is right up there with, Because there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Even though neither of those lines is from Tolkien's writing directly, they each have the styling and thematic elements that makes us feel like it fits in Tolkien's world. Gladriel departs rather mysteriously, and Bilbo departs Rivendell on a fine summer morning. The quest for Erebor continues. Join me in the next episode, where alongside Bilbo we'll meet a new creature in Middle-earth as we explore Chapter 4 of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Thanks for wandering Middle-earth with me today. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Raise your hand if this has happened to you today. You're in the middle of work, you're knocking things off the to-do list, getting stuff done, and your kid asks you to play. Do you drop everything? Do you ask them to wait a minute? What do you do? If you're like me, you don't always say yes right away. The kid moves on, you get busy, and you forget to circle back around and play. An opportunity to make a memory has been lost, and the dad guilt settles in. Not so anymore. I've developed a simple game that will enable you to take those small moments and have fun. It's called Dad's Adventure Dice Digital Edition. My five-year-old daughter asks me nearly every day, can we do Dad Adventure Dice? What follows are some quick rolls of the dice that lead to a fun activity with an intriguing twist. Within 5 or 10 minutes, we've had a lot of fun, shared a lot of laughter, and made a memory together. Download your own Dad's Adventure Dice today. Visit store.adventures.dad to download yours. That's store.adventure.dad to download Dad's Adventure Dice.